Watch podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch podcast, we're going to be discussing an article from the July issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled Adequate Nutrition for Breeding Season Success. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by two cow-calf specialists, Dr. Casey McCarthy, as well as Travis Mullenix, who's also a beef cattle nutritionist focused on range production systems. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having us, Aaron. Yeah, thanks for having us. Well, as we look across much of Nebraska, we're seeing very dry conditions, and that's going to result in decreased forage quality for the time of year we're in. This really can be detrimental as we think about reproductive rates, thinking especially of young females. In this article, you highlight the importance of adequate nutrition right prior to and through the breeding season to get uh, these cows pregnant. Talk through with us maybe some strategies we need to think through, recognizing what's going on with our forage, and then how we might address that as we think about ways to provide some supplementation to help ensure a good breeding through the season. Yeah, Aaron, I think the one of the biggest things to look at to, or is to make sure you know where you're at in terms of what, what is my forage quality or my feed quality that I have on hand. You know, a, a very common misconception is understanding the dynamics of forage quality or hay quality. And sometimes it pulls us pretty good where we think it's much higher quality than what it truly is. And we're ultimately feeding something that's a low quality version that um, that's going to really drive a negative response in performances. And think about the critical time point of the area around rebreeding and going through calving and, and increasing requirements for lactation and supporting that calf growth, you know, th this is a really critical time point of understanding those dynamics and where's my forage quality at. And so th that's your first step is, is knowing what, what's the quality of the feedstuff my cows are consuming and, and building off of that. And if you think about cost of production and helping control that cost, that's very important. We're moving quickly into 1st of July here, and, and much of our forages from now on, even without a drought scenario, are, are headed downhill pretty quickly. And so understanding, you know, where we're going from here is also important that we, we know what, where our quality forages will be headed from then on. And, and so developing a strategy around that's very important that knowing not only forage quality, but also body condition score, where are my cows at for condition score and understanding that condition score can have a positive or negative impact on performance, especially if they're over conditioned going into these, these seasons where they're starting to consume a lot of low quality forage scenarios and they're losing more body weight to offset the lack of nutrients or lack of energy in the diet. And that can have a negative response on reproductive performance. And so understanding that interaction of body condition score, where my cows are, where my forage is important in developing the adequate nutrient uh, uh, saltation program for your cow herd. Um, so a really big deal we want to focus on from a production standpoint is making sure our cows are gaining body weight through breeding. And so no matter what your supplementation plan is, the big deal is I need to be gaining or at least maintaining for cows that are in good condition, need to be gaining body weight as soon as possible after calving and through the breeding. 
because a lot of times what we we run into is scenarios that cows are in good condition we hit drought scenarios like this and horse quality just plummets and, and cows start losing a lot of body weight and, and so and even if they're cycling before we typically can see especially in younger females cows start cycling they may get pregnant and maybe start losing some pregnancies or have some delayed in resumption of estrus because of they're losing body weight now and they're sending signals to the body that there's not enough nutrients there and they shut off reproductive processes and so thinking about that is is really important so understanding those roles are, are extremely important in developing a nutritional program that fits your operation um, one of the biggest ones I would say focused on right now is, is a lot of our forage supplies are, are adequate in rumen degradable protein, but they're inadequate in metabolizable protein. And so from a aspect of the cow, metabolizable protein is the protein that cow is going to get. The rumen degradable portion of any protein source is really what the microbes get. So we've got to think of saltation strategies of I'm feeding microbes and I'm feeding cows because they both have different requirements. And, and so feeding a protein source that meets the requirements. So the microbes first and, and then making sure we're meeting the requirements and the type of protein that the cow needs second and, and making sure that's in good supply. And so understanding the, the interaction or the difference between rumen degradable protein, rumen undergradable protein is important that protein is just not protein to, to a ruminant animal. And, and so going and feeding something that's going to be high in rumen undergradable protein, like distillers, which is about 63, 65% rumen undergradable protein source, will have a big impact on helping cows recover from calving and, and supplying that increase in metabolizable protein that they need that will enhance reproductive performance. And so uh, one recommendation I have is making sure you're meeting the, the actual protein needs of the cow through this process through increasing the supply of rumen undergradable protein sources. Yeah, and I think to add to that, Travis, even thinking about how we're managing those cows and opportunities to be strategic uh, with some of those younger cows or maybe some older cows that might need um, a little extra groceries moving through breeding season. How could we be strategic uh, in placing those those cows in a maybe a different pasture um, or or an area where we can be strategic with targeted supplementation? Uh, you know, opportunities to to increase that body condition, like you talked about. But how can we be strategic with different groups that need it and monitor that body condition through breeding? Uh, you know, and, and throughout that grazing season, when we start to see our forage decline. So I think a lot of really great, great points there, but wanted, wanted us to maybe think about that as well as how, how might we be thinking about um, our management of those different groups of females um, to, to be really specific and targeted for, for body growth and um, ultimately trying to target those increase in reproductive performances. Let's talk a little bit about what are our high-risk females. If we're thinking about some strategic supplementation, what groups come to mind for you as being the ones initially, hey, we need to take a look here and make sure that these are getting their protein needs met? 
Yeah, so your your higher risk in 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 most scenarios will also will always be your twos and three year old cows, and depending on your management, uh, it could be your twos or it could be your three year old cows. But you know, think about th those are your cows that are still growing; they're lactating for the first or second time, and, and so that's a huge challenge for them. Is that they've got a lot going on and a lot on their plate. And the number one driver why that they are the hardest cow in the cow herd is the ability to recover after calving and start cycling again in, in a timely fashion to get pregnant within a defined breeding season. And that's a major challenge. Um, and so in years like this year in a drought scenario that that porch quality will be lower than normal, that, that those those are the cows that are going to be hit the hardest. And so making sure that we're uh, managing those cows differently than the rest of the cow herd. And so I always recommend, um, even in a good year, that we manage twos and three-year-old cows separately from our mature cows, if, if any way possible. And so there's a lot of historical data showing that managed together, that you're going to have lower pregnancy rates in that, that group than managed separately. And, and that's very important, especially in, in years like this, that nutrient quality is going to be lower. As we look at what's going on for this female, as we just you know got through calving, we're now moving into breeding. Obviously, she's uh, just past peak lactation, depending on where she's at in the calving season and going into the breeding season. Lactation takes a lot of energy, and there is the option in some cases of early weaning calves as a tool to drastically reduce the nutrient requirements of the cow. Talk through with us where that scenario may have application and what are some things to think through and evaluate if you're considering that? Yeah, I think uh, when we think about targeting maybe early weaning strategies, the group that we just talked about, those two and three-year-old cows, if they are losing condition and being able to monitor condition, um, a great area or opportunity to implement early weaning would be with this group. Basically, what we're targeting is reducing that lactational demand and then also trying to reduce some of that forage consumption as well. So we're, we're changing that forage intake ultimately is offset because we're reducing those lactational demands. And so we can really gain uh, in, you know, in terms of forage conserved when we start uh, removing that calf from lactational demands and then and weaning that calf early. And so we can think about reducing forage intake and requirements, and then also then managing that calf separately, potentially doing some fence line weaning, uh, moving them to a separate pasture uh, where we can then start to target growth in those calves and then really allow those two and three-year-old cows to focus on uh, that pregnancy, getting pregnant um, and, and not worrying about those additional lactational demands that we're asking of her in addition to growing and, and trying to, to get through the, the breeding season. You, you know, drought brings on a, a couple different challenges of uh, lower forage quality, that protein is not gonna be met um, from a, a fermentation standpoint to the cow. You also run into issues where we have limited forage. And so that, that that brings on a huge challenge from a production standpoint is, is making sure that we're feed, feeding both of those needs, right? And so Casey touched on, can we early wean? 
and Arlen Ween brings on some positives of it's a big force saving. If I get that calf off that cow and decrease the requirements of lactation and 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 lock that calf up in a dry lock pen or, or whatever, you know, that's about a 10, 10 pounds of forage savings per day result. The challenge for a lot of producers is what to do with those calves. And so, so our other option would be to feed something that's a complete feed scenario that can replace forage. An old standard of thinking of feeding energy, of a starch energy, is a good substitute at times. And so one example is I can come in and feed five pounds of corn and, and save five pounds of forage consumption. The challenge of that is that if I don't meet the protein requirements of the microbes in the cow, I can go backwards very easily. And so energy intake, even though I'm feeding five pounds of corn that has higher energy value than a forage, actually starts resulting in lower energy intake, overall energy intake of the cow. And she can lose a lot more body weight and, and run into some, uh, some performance issues. And so we've got to meet, in those scenarios, we've got to meet requirements, not only protein requirements, but the requirements for energy as well. And so I just can't come in those scenarios thinking I'm going to increase energy through a starch core and provide more energy to offset the lack of energy in, in the diet. And, and we can run into some major problems doing that. That's one of the beauties of something like distiller's grains. And we've talked about it already is it's a fiber based energy source. So both high in energy actually has an energy value. Uh, equal to or a little better than corn, but because it's a fiber-based energy source, uh, not dealing with some of the negative associative effects, uh, you know, if we feed five pounds of distillers, can have a significantly different impact for cattle out on range or pasture versus five pounds of whole corn. Yeah, that, that's a great point, Aaron, that, that distillers is a great avenue of protein and energy. Um, the, the, the challenge with distillers is, is that it doesn't decrease, it, it doesn't have the big subs, positive substitution effect of corn does. And so if I came in and fed three pounds of, of corn, I can replace three pounds of forage. If I fed three pounds of distillers, I'm not replacing three pounds of forage. I actually may increase a little forage intake. And, and so we've got to think a little more creatively with distillers using it as an energy source as well as, you know, if, I've, if I have options of getting wet distillers and have options of a low quality hay, I, I can make a really good uh, feed source that can help start replacing some of that forage. Um, and so that's the great use of distillers is it fits into a lot of these lower, really low quality wheat straws, uh, corn stock bells, et cetera, scenarios that I can feed and, and feed a high quality uh, feedstuff to cows that will start replacing some of that forage. Travis, Casey, anything else on this topic you think is important as producers think about the breeding season and where they're at nutritionally with their cows and what are maybe are some things to consider or evaluate as we move forward? I, I think a big deal 
like any year is monitor, monitor your cows. Where, where are your body condition scores? Where, where are they headed? Uh, monitor your forage quality, forage conditions, and, and, and really just manage uh, proactively. Don't get at scenarios that we're very reactive, that be, we're behind the ball. And so understand you know, where my cows are at and where they're headed at and making sure we're, we're staying um, ahead of everything before it gets too late and our cows are too thin or we don't have forage. And so just be very proactive during times like this. Yeah, I would second that, Travis. I think knowing and evaluate body condition score, if you have an opportunity to test forages, I think knowing what your numbers are going into uh, later in the grazing season, uh, what your hay, hay sources are in terms of crude protein and TDN, uh, that will really help uh, when you start thinking about supplementation strategies. Um, and then really evaluate during the breeding season, making sure, like Travis mentioned, uh, watch that body condition score, watch it um, on your bulls as well. I think um, that's another area that you know, we, we need to be evaluating these animals through the breeding season and then how they're recovering uh, later into the fall, I think will all be uh, really important to be be thinking about and, and monitoring this year. Thanks again for joining me today. Thanks for having us there. Yeah, thank you. For more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. Again, the title of the article that we discussed today, Adequate Nutrition for Breeding Season Success.